from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for July 28, 2023. Checking the calendar, the Atlanta Braves were in town last week, so we're returning the favor by going to their house this weekend. A little closer to home, the wildly popular German Fest is this weekend also. Brady Street Festival is happening. Let's start with cops rushing to a house because the reports of a woman screaming. Well, as it turned out, it was the home of a retired cop who owns 22 loud Amazon parrots. <laughs> because parrots are mimics, the police were a little suspicious. Whose screams were the parrots mimicking? It turns out the retired cop leaves the TV on for his birds, and the channel was showing a horror film marathon. <laughs> In the Central Valley of California, it's a former prison that's housing drug dealers. Today, it's a cannabis farm. The owners bought the joint for $4 million and think it's perfect for growing and storing their product. The staff is all former inmates, and the irony is not lost on them. Hakuna Matata. Alabama police say an armed eight-year-old boy led police on a car chase before he crashed into another car. The boy had actually carjacked at gunpoint the owner of the car. He has been charged with robbery, fleeing police, and illegally possessing a firearm. Again, he's eight. He should be at home watching the Muppets. <laughs> and finally, a man in Florida, after hiking the highest mountain peaks in Colorado, says he's going to do the same thing in Florida, the flattest state in the Union. Much of the state is below sea level, and one of the highest peaks in Florida is the parking lot at the Countryside Golf Course. Come on, everybody knows the highest peak in Florida is Space Mountain. <laughs> On the podcast today, we have Adam Bailey, Kendall Bauer, Joel Driesing, and wrapping up the week, here's Kyle Tedding. Well, thanks, Max. A good week overall for stocks. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 7 tenths of a percent, closing at 35,459. The S&P up 1%, closing at 4582. The NASDAQ up 2% this week, closing at 14,317. For the year, the NASDAQ up a pretty stellar 37.4. The S&P up 20.4. And the Dow... Well, we, we finished the 13-day winning streak uh, on Thursday, but we got one more positive one in us this week uh, on Friday. Uh, the Dow so far for the year up 8.3%, including dividends. Uh, Kendall, maybe that's a good place to start um, with returns as exceptional as they've been, with a winning streak that's made it easy to find opportunities to trim some winners. How are you talking to clients about you know what they should be thinking about right now especially those that may be looking later in the year to have to take some money out. Yeah, I think it's a lovely time to get a little greedy here with the first half of the year and just take some chips off the table. Um, particularly for those that plan to do, let's say, some charitable gifting in the next three to six months. I know a lot of our clients do that through some of their IRAs throughout the year. Um, and even folks that have required distributions maybe towards the latter half of the year. Um, you know, trimming some of the gains and growth in particular. Um, as you mentioned, the NASDAQ off to a red hot start. Um, you know, most of the money markets I think available to investors right now are somewhere in the range of four, maybe a little bit higher percent. 
Um, so getting paid to keep a little bit of cash, you know, that you're going to use most likely in the next six months and locking in some of the, you know, the great start to the first half of the year, I think's a no-brainer. Yeah, we should probably be clear that that doesn't mean you're selling everything. It doesn't mean you're taking all the gains and locking them in and saying, well, it's going to get worse. Um, I think what we're saying here is if it's money you know you're going to spend, money you know you're going to want to take out, or even just pulling back on a little bit of what's been a pretty strong run, you've got prices that are a lot better today than they were yesterday, a lot better than yesterday than they were the day before. And so, um, you know, we, we're big believers in buying low and selling high. Yeah, even if it goes higher, we're selling a lot higher than it was. You know, the conversation I've been having with clients, not just raising cash for future distributions, but also using this as an opportunity to do some rebalancing. Uh, you know, last year when everything was down, stocks were down and bonds were down, there was not the opportunity to do rebalancing like you thought there was. But now that you have tech stocks up, my goodness, 34% on the year, um, maybe take a step back and take a fresh look at the allocation towards growth and maybe overall allocation to stocks in general with a 40% surge uh, thereabouts in, in growth stocks, you might have more in stocks today than you thought you did. And now's a good time to, to do some rebalancing, maybe take some gains and consider adding to bonds, doing a little bit of rebalancing on the margins. And as a reminder, bonds are paying more today than they did when we started the year. And Adam, such a great reminder. The Fed gave us more opportunity in bonds this week, raising the overnight lending rate. They seem to be the thing that remains in focus. Um, but clearly, Adam, looking at what the Fed has done, they're a big part of why we can count on bonds more now. Yeah, as interest rates have come up, uh, gosh, aggressively last year, raised rates, what, seven times overnight, uh, a few times this year. Uh, target rate is now, what, five and a quarter to five and a half, thereabouts. Uh, essentially, they have reached their target for the year in terms of the overnight rate. And, uh, and by the way, the overnight rate refers to the overnight lending rate for which banks lend to each other overnight until they reopen for business in the morning. That's where that comes from. And that ultra short-term lending rate has impacted now the yields on money funds, the yield on shorter-term, intermediate-term bonds. Those have come up. We've seen that across the board from cash to short and intermediate term bonds. And I think it's interesting to see how big of a disparity there is between some of those short term bonds and the longer term bonds that are out there uh, getting paid a lot more to buy a 13 week treasury, you know, getting paid five and a quarter right now versus buying a, a 10 year treasury where you're only getting paid a little less than four. And some of that speaks to this idea that I think our expectations are that the Fed will eventually have to start to pull back a little bit, that interest rates moving lower from here certainly isn't out of the question. One of the things we thought might give us some cover for the Fed ultimately doing that is a little bit worse economic news. And Joel, we got a GDP report this week on the second quarter little better than the first quarter and signs that that's slowing that everybody's kind of been pointing to. Maybe it's not here quite yet. Yeah, Kyle, the report showed that the GDP actually sped up in the second quarter at a 2.4% annual rate versus 2% in the first quarter. And, um, you know, we're talking about the Fed raising interest rates and historically when they've done that, and remember, they've done that at a historic pace in this past year. I mean, the, the rates are now the highest, what, in 22 years. Um, in, in the past, when they've done that, that's triggered recessions. And now with the economy actually growing faster, that's 
pulling us farther away from recession. Uh, so it, 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 the, one of the articles I saw, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, actually looked at that report on the GDP and said uh, the economy is actually looking close to normal now. <laughs> And interest rates are looking close to normal now. And yeah, maybe the Fed is talking about an overnight rate that long term is a little lower than where we are now. That gives us some cushion from where we are to potentially cut later on if we see some of that weakness we're talking about. And so I think if anything, what we really see is uh, that the Fed can be data dependent. That's what they said in the meeting this week, that we're going to go meeting to meeting from here, that we're not setting a game plan for we need to go from two to five, they're there. And now it's, okay, let's let the data come back to where we think it's supposed to come. We got news on the core personal consumption expenditure index, um, right in line with expectations, still higher than two, uh, but the direction continues to be lower. Yeah, that went down to 4.1%. So it's double that target rate of two. Um, but that's the lowest it's been since September of 2021. Um, the 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 non-core, the the headline um, PCE uh, personal consumption expenditures index, which is the main one that the Fed usually looks at when it's looking at inflation, that got down to three percent in June, um, and that's the lowest it's been since March of 2021. So it's you know 27 months. It's since it's been that low. And compare that with a year ago, that same number that's now 3% was 7%. So it's really, uh, you know, come down and, and it's, again, it's not 2%, but the direction is right. Yeah. And I want to put like two numbers together, both the PCE number and then the GDP that, that's come in. And, you know, rewind the clock back a year ago where we were talking about inflation peaking at 9%. And we're no longer there. We're now almost in the Fed's comfort zone with their own metric. And, um, you know, with, with inflation coming down like that, it's clear we've broken the fever pitch of inflation. We're, we're not well yet, but we're close to it. But the economy is, is still pretty healthy with GDP growing at, you know, a 2% rate here in the quarter. That's still pretty good. There's still a lot of resilience. And it shows that maybe, just maybe, They've achieved their soft landing. We're not there yet. You can't get the all clear, but we, we're certainly on the approach where we can have a soft landing. Adam, two reports that I thought were interesting this week were um, from the uh, S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index and from the National Association of Realtors. Both of them basically were saying that the slump that we've seen in housing over the past year is over, um, that things are, you know, uh, if, if not turned or turning around yet, they're at least saying that the worst part is, is behind. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll see. But um, just the fact that they're saying that, um, and that's a very uh, interest rate sensitive industry, but the fact that they're saying that housing is looking better from here um, is really saying something. Well, and perhaps some of that is that you had some potential home buyers looking at interest rates at five, six, seven percent when they were three, and going, "Well, maybe I'll wait this out." Um, and okay, we've been waiting, and interest rates haven't come down, and so well, now I I don't really have a choice anymore. And prices have gone up, and interest rates have stayed the same. And all right, so maybe maybe we start to expedite the process of finding that home, of getting ours on the market. The turnover alone will help 
with some people that are maybe looking for entry-level homes for those that are looking to step up. Um, and so I think, you know, the some of the, the, the very idea of, okay, we've kind of level set now, we've got expectations for where rates are supposed to be, that long-term helps the conversation of, all right, if we do come back down to five instead of seven, well, okay, that looks really good. And you might see even more interest in home buying at that point in time just because of where we came from as opposed to going from three to five, coming from seven to five is a really big deal. And Kyle, you know, we always say that consumer spending is two-thirds, 70% of, of GDP. And we had two reports this week on consumer confidence and consumer sentiment saying that the other thing about that consumer spending, which, I mean, buying a house is the biggest thing most consumers will spend on, but but consumer spending is expected to keep tooling right along in part because consumers are looking at the slowing uh, inflation rate, and they're also seeing that the job market is pretty steady, and w- that combination is encouraging consumers to, to keep right on spending. You know, we, we've got a newsletter coming out this afternoon. Um, within that newsletter, you know, I have an article talking about a lot of this stuff, about this idea that, um, you know, maybe fitting for summer, that the market seems to be just melting higher as we take away a lot of concerns that had been weighing on us. And it's not that the news is great. It hasn't been. And we've been saying that for a long time. It's that all of the worst case scenarios that we were counting on seem to be further and further discounted. And I think as we we kind of look at, okay, what what could come next? The one risk I see, and Adam, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but the one risk I see is if everyone believes that the only outcomes now are positive outcomes, we can be a bit surprised sometimes by something we weren't expecting. You know, I think the other thing I would point out as we kind of go forward, um, if you take a look at the newsletter, Joel, there's a few other interesting articles, one in particular uh, that hits uh, close to home for Kendall over here, but we try to highlight uh, com- community organizations, organizations within our community that we support, whether it's financially with our time or just uh, organizations that we're interested in, um, and a pretty good one in in this month's newsletter. Yeah, I think Kendall should talk about that. Actually, a- yeah, well, it's exciting to to announce that you know we're getting involved with a, a local golf outing for charity, uh, in particular. Proceeds are going to uh, First Tee of South Wisconsin, which is a fantastic organization that works to get um, you know, underprivileged youth out onto the golf course, first and foremost, which can be a barrier in and of itself. Um, but furthermore, teaching uh, life skills and skills that can you know, help people grow on and off the golf course. So uh, that is happening on September 9th at Washington County Golf Course. Uh, for the most part, the tournament is full this year, but we you know, are hopeful to expand it potentially to some more participants uh, next year and, and hopefully for years to come. And what I like about your involvement is that at least we can now raise some awareness and visibility for T Southeast Wisconsin, which I had never heard of before, and look into it a little bit, and it's a, an impressive organization. You know, Kendall, if our listeners can't be a part of the golf outing, can they still contribute? to the organization. They can, and thanks for bringing that up, Adam. Joel, I believe there will be a link uh, to First Tee, um, to the specific chapter, which is the Southeast Wisconsin chapter. Um, If if you want to make a donation, that would be greatly appreciated. They do, I think, give you some options as to what, you know, different uh, 
parts of the organization that they're looking for donations for, or I believe there's just a general fund. Um, all of it goes to good use and um, really looking forward to. I think they also give the uh, option of getting involved, which is yeah. nice too. I think often organizations need the money, but they also need volunteer work. And so one of the reasons why we highlight uh, some of our own community involvement is because if it's something that's close to uh, someone else's heart, we want them to know what their opportunities are to, to help out. We know so many folks that are uh, maybe retired from their career, but still looking to be engaged within the community. It's one of the conversations I have regularly with uh, clients is, you know, what are you doing now that you're retired? Um, I think more often than not, what I hear is, I don't know how I worked. I don't know how I had time to work with all the stuff I'm engaged with now. And so, you know, for us, this is another way to share. Here's some things that we think are important. You know, maybe the last thing I'd point out in the newsletter, Joel, is one that you, uh, you have on kind of confidence in your ability to retire. Um, and, you know, speaking financially, certainly that's a big part of it, but also, you know, the, the confidence also carries over into, all right, am I confident that I know what I'm going to do with my time? Um, and so maybe some parallels there, um, but, you know, maybe just a few words on kind of what you have seen, what you've heard, what you've been looking at with respect to, you know, confidence in retirement and maybe overconfidence. Yeah, the, the overconfidence was, was the thing that I uh, found out of some uh, retirement researchers at Boston College uh, who, who found that um, retirees and, and people who are still working um, who are overconfident in, in their ability to, to afford their retirement are the ones usually most in jeopardy of not being able to afford their retirement. So it's, it's a, a lesson in something we talk about here a lot is of, of humility, of of sort of, you know, not being too sure about stuff and, and checking it out. I think um, a great newsletter coming out this afternoon, as they all are. If you're not subscribed, I encourage you to head over to our website and get your name on the list. Reach out to your advisor, reach out to one of us if you're unsure, uh, and we are happy to make sure that you're added. Um, but as always, we enjoy doing the show for you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalkatlandis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>